clinical Up. clinical Clinical. Population. Population. Clinical. Population. Population. Clinical. Population. Hello, everybody. My name is Gabby. I'm Allison. And I'm John. And welcome to Clinical Population. Introducing music therapists to new bops and new bops to music therapy. And today we have Rachel Ramback. <laughs> Rachel, we are so excited to have you on. Um, I'm personally excited because your songs got me through my early childhood in schools practicum <laughs> and, and also one of my first jobs. Um, and then also, you're a podcast pioneer because you had your uh -huh. podcast way before podcasts and music therapy became popular over the past year or so. So yeah, I'm kind of like a podcast music therapy grandma. I feel like <laughs> <laughs> yeah, our, we started the music therapy roundtable podcast in 2010. Amazing. So yeah, we were we were ahead of our time with that. Wow. I also oh love God. the creative business breakdown. That's one of my favorites too. Oh, thank you. Yeah, we yeah. love doing that podcast and we keep saying, okay, we're going to reboot. We're going to reboot someday, yes. someday. Yes, it helps, <laughs> it helps private practice people like me that are just starting out. I love listening to it and getting all the ideas. So, Oh, good. <laughs> I'm glad. Thank you for telling me that. Of course. <laughs> of course. Um, well, we know all about you and your podcast adventures, but for our listeners, not everyone knows about your awesomeness so oh gosh can you're so you nice. maybe <laughs> can you maybe share a little bit about your music therapy and creative journey I would love to yes <clears throat> first of all I have to preface this by saying that I've been singing slash teaching my four and six-year-old and recording videos like nonstop for the last week so my <laughs> voice is not at its peak right now <laughs> so I may be clearing my throat just a little bit sorry for that but just so you know, just so it's out there. I can but, edit and post. We're good. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Good to know. Yeah. So I became a board certified music therapist in 2007. And that was following going to college as a vocal performance major. Had no idea what music therapy was. Hadn't even heard of it. It wasn't until my sophomore year that I was writing a paper about music there about careers in music and came across music therapy in a Google search. And I was just completely blindsided, like, this is what I need to be doing. And so I went to my advisor at my school, Rollins College, down in Winter Park, Florida, and he hooked me up with a music therapist down there. And I job shadowed her a few times and was like, yeah, this is what I want to do with my life. Hmm. So basically finished college. Um, two semesters later. So I, I graduated from college a year and a half early so that I could go to grad school to start the music therapy equivalency and um, music therapy master's program at Illinois State University. And um, so I went there, spent two years there, did my internship at Midwest Music Therapy Services in St. Louis, came back to Springfield, my hometown in Illinois, 
and got my first job working at a school for children with multiple disabilities. And about a week into that job, I started getting phone calls and emails about people that were interested in music therapy in private practice. So I was like, yeah, I'll, I'll give that a shot too. You know, might as well. I'm young. I've got lots of energy. I don't have anything else to do. So I um, was working my full-time job. And then gradually over <clears throat> the next few years, I just built this private practice on the side. And it built up to the point where I was making more money from the private practice than my school job. And ended up after four years at school at the school, resigning from that position to go full time with private practice. And mm-hmm. over the next um, few years of private practice, we just kept on growing. I brought on a co-owner. Um, we kept growing our team, and at this point, we have five music therapists and then another ten employees and contractors that teach individual lessons and classes. So wow. that's music therapy wow. connections. And it's, yeah, it's kind of like I call it my baby, my first baby, because yeah. <laughs> my oh, kids came many years too. after. <laughs> wow. Amazing. Thank you. So, question uh, you know, right now we're having um, a lot of self isolation, a lot of craziness going on in the music therapy world because we're having to self isolate. How are you managing a team like that? And, have everybody having to be at home. Are you guys doing Mm -hmm. telelessons or how is that working for you guys? Yeah, it's been a process. Um, After all of everything just kind of started falling apart, we, Katie, my co-owner and I had a powwow and we're like, we can either lose all of our business and, you know, basically throw in the, the towel or we can try to make this work. We've got full-time employees, we've got part-time, hourly, and then contractors. And we want to do all that we can to keep this business going, not only to support our team, but also to support our clients. We serve people from babies to seniors. And um, so we just got to work and we dug in and worked on Um, transitioning our clients to telemusic therapy and to virtual lessons and literally just spent hours upon hours working with our team to figure out the technology and to train them and to run trainings and practice sessions. And um, I had my Slack open like 24-7 answering (laughs) questions and still am to this day. Um, they just never stop, which is a good thing yeah. because my team is is so invested and they just like hopped right on board and have rolled with it. Um, this week, I'm rolling out virtual classes. We offer early childhood preschool and early elementary music classes at MTC. So we're starting virtual classes this week. Um, so yeah, we're just adapting and making it work. And really, I think it was the music therapy community that lit that fire under us mm-hmm. because I have to say I was hesitant about whether or not telemusic therapy and virtual lessons would be a good fit for us. We didn't have the experience. We our, – our clients definitely didn't have the experience with working in that way, but we all just needed that anchor. We needed to keep those services going on our end and our clients needed them as well. So – 
everybody's just kind of hopped on board and we're making it work and it's getting smoother and smoother every day and we're learning a lot. That's amazing. Yeah, it's a it's a very scary time and oh, um, yeah. I can completely um agree with you about the community. It's been amazing to see everybody putting on their creativity hat and just going with it and just trying because that's all we can do at this point is just keep trying. Exactly. Yeah. Just keeping the client in mind, honestly. (laughs) Right. That's what it comes down to. And I just love the community aspect and the fact that everybody's just willing to share information and to explain their process and to give tips. And I know I've had quite a few music therapists um, Facebook message me and email me asking for details about the way that I'm running things. And I am more than happy to help them out because I've had other music therapists that I've been asking those same questions to and getting their (laughs) advice. So it's just, it's everybody, all hands on deck helping everybody out, which is amazing. That's awesome. Yay, community. Right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so true. Uh, you are just coming off of like this big book release from earlier in the year. Um, it seems like you just can't take <laughs> a breath. <laughs> <laughs> well, so, it's so funny because after after the book launched, I we have team meetings every month where the whole team gets together and we just talk about our goals and what we're working on and kind of our focus in both our personal and professional lives. And after the book launch, I told my team, I was like, if I decide to start any new projects or to like take on any big initiatives, just like stop me, please, because I need to rest. My brain is so tired. I can't take on anything new. Right. And then the universe put this in all of our laps. So yeah, it's honestly though, I thrive in this kind of environment where I just need to like buckle down and have an end goal and to just work towards that. And right now my end goal is to keep my company afloat and to keep my team members working. And so I feel when I don't have those things happening, I just kind of get complacent and Mm -hmm. a little bored. And Mm -hmm. so this is honestly where I'm at my peak as a professional. So, um, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I saw that we were going to be interviewing you and I was like, oh, no, poor Rachel. (laughs) She's got (laughs) going on. I hope she's okay. <laughs> oh, gosh. No, it's so funny. Um, my husband came home from work. He, his office is still open. He owns an insurance agency. And so it's been deemed by our governor as an essential service. So he's yeah. still going to work. And he came home. He brought home dinner for me and the kids. And um, as I was getting ready to head upstairs to do this interview, he was asking me what the podcast was about. And I was explaining it to him. And he's like, wow, geez, in the middle of all this? And I'm like, <laughs> yeah. Gotta keep it going. Yep, got it. Got to keep it rolling. <laughs> That's how we do. Yeah. Yeah, well, we thank you for, for doing that in the middle of all this. Yeah. Oh, gosh. Yeah. My yeah. pleasure. Yeah. So just like a, I would love to hear like a quick um, synopsis of your new book. I love it. Um, I got it on pre-order because I was so excited as a, like I mentioned, I'm a new private practice owner and I was looking for ways to generate money that weren't just doing therapy sessions. And your book kind of fell on my lap, like at the perfect time um, as I was just moving and getting this going. And 
So it kind of, I, I love reading it because it kind of gave me permission to try things that are outside of the clinical setting. Um, but I would love it if you could kind of give us a quick description of what it is and where we could find it. And yeah, um, I would love to. to write it. Yeah. Yeah. So the book is called Innovative Income for Music Therapists Beyond Direct Service in Private Practice. And it really stems from my career since becoming a music therapist. When I first started, even before I started practicing, I I had all of these other ideas for things I wanted to do outside of working directly with clients. And I have to say that back in 2007, 2008, it was almost a little bit taboo to be doing non-clinical things as a music therapist. Thankfully, that has changed so, so much over the last 12, 13 years. But I, I kind of had to overcome some adversity getting to the point where um, I was taken seriously for my other endeavors, especially the online things. Right. I started my music therapy blog, Listen and Learn Music, and the music collection back in 2008. And even getting other music therapists on board with having those resources available online and having those available for purchase that was a huge hurdle. And I know that sounds ridiculous in 2020, but back then it just wasn't something that was being done. Mm-hmm. And over the years, I've just had to you know, keep up with the technology and keep up with how things are changing and how I can best serve not only the music therapy community, but also music educators and teachers and parents. And I just wanted to share all of that experience with other music therapists. I know that for me, my direct service in my private practice, um, while it is the majority of my income, it's definitely not my only income. And I think it's so important to have multiple income streams, especially in times like this. Yeah. When, yeah. when this all started going down, I was like, thank goodness that I that I have other things happening and that I have all of this ongoing recurring revenue from all of my other online endeavors and the other things that I'm doing outside of direct service because it's just it's not always guaranteed and it's it's scary to put all of your eggs into one basket yeah. and um and I just wanted to share that with people and I wanted to also share the fact that it's okay to to pursue other things like performance and podcasting and working in the community and collaborating with other people, not necessarily just as a music therapist, but as a musician, as a songwriter, as a content creator. There are so many ways to apply your music therapy knowledge and expertise and training in order to make more money. And I know for me, from day one, I knew that eventually I didn't want to be locked into a certain schedule. I didn't want to be locked into a number of hours per week that I was serving clients. And in the peak of my solopreneur private practice days, I was seeing 60 individuals oh. a week. Oh. What? And I what? was, oh yes, oh my gosh. this that is not a lie. Lot. In fact, <laughs> I found my schedule one day a couple of years ago and I pulled it up and I showed my coworkers and they were like, Oh my God, you're nuts. Like you did this? <laughs> yeah. And and I look back at that time. I was so burnt out. I was yeah. so 
over it and just like over everything. And at the time, I was making ridiculous money because I was working out of my home office. I had very little overhead. I didn't have a team. It was just me. But yet I was so unhappy because I had no free time. I was constantly either documenting or working with a client or prepping for a client or coming up with new materials. And I was miserable. And that's when I really started to take those other income streams seriously because I knew that, you know, even if you're making a million dollars, if you don't have the time and the bandwidth to enjoy it and to have some breathing space in your life, it's it's not worth it. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> all of those things really just spurred me to write this book. And I'm, I've gotten some emails and actually an influx of book purchases in the last week or so, I which bet. is – yeah. yeah, it's been really awesome and unexpected because my first thought um, going into this crazy season was, oh my gosh, like everything's going to dry up because all of these other music therapists and music educators, which is basically my customer base, mm-hmm. they are all suffering so much because their their businesses and their jobs have been hard hit and they're not going to have the extra resources to be spending money on the things that I have to offer. Mm-hmm. but. I've really found that the opposite has been true, especially with the book, with people just wanting to have other ideas and other ways to generate income that's not reliant on client services. And then so many people are are um, creating resources and videos and live streams for their clients right now. And I, I shared with my social media followers and my newsletter subscribers um, over the weekend that I give full permission for them to use my songs and my resources in any way, shape, or form. You can adapt them. You can do whatever you want with them in your live streams and your video recordings and your one-on-one sessions just because I want you to have an abundance of materials right at your fingertips. And so it's been really cool to see people taking advantage of that and to see the appreciation of other music therapists for those materials being there and available to them. Mm. That's awesome. It's really admirable. Thank you. And it's such a great resource. Um, I, I loved that it was an ebook too, and that you did an audio book so I could listen to it between clients and, um, it is very helpful, and and like I said, it kind of gave me permission to go outside of the the clinic walls and and think about like not not being afraid to add you know performance and things like that into my income stream because I think it's like this fear that oh well, but you're not doing music therapy if you do that <laughs> you know like <laughs> yep. But I think we are starting to see that um, you know everybody now might be switching in some way to. Um, teletherapy or telelessons or some kind of virtual platform. I think that's this is really going to change the way that we approach therapy. And honestly, every um, every field right now, I think, is going to have a, a massive shift. I absolutely agree. This. I'm just yeah. so interested to see how the world changes and how just everything yeah. changes after all of this. I think we're all going to realize just all the different possibilities and that the status quo just doesn't apply anymore. I think it's going to be really interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, so thank you for that. It was, you know, perfect timing. Yeah. Yeah. I'm so glad you found it helpful. And, and really that was, that was my whole point was to just empower music therapists to, to do those things that are on their heart that are related to music, even if they're not 
music therapy specific, go for it and and follow your passions and just explore because there are so many options yeah. available to us now. Yeah. Mm. Oh, if people are interested in finding the book, everything is at my website, which is listenlearnmusic.com. It's a great website. Everyone. Oh, thank it's you. So many things on it. <laughs> so bouncing off of um, pursuing your passions within music, um, not just music therapy wise, mm-hmm. but just all of music. One of your passions seems to be songwriting, <laughs> right? How could you tell? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> and one of the songs uh, that we are going to share with our listeners today is Body Crot's Applesauce. And so we are going to listen to that right now. So everyone enjoy. Cross applesauce, moving to the beat. You can do it sitting down or up on your feet. Body cross applesauce, do as I say. Move, move your bean bag this way. Body cross applesauce, here we go. Make your bean bag touch your elbow. Bring your hand across to your elbow, you see. Move, move, move in your body. Body cross applesauce, if you please. Make your bean bag give your shoulder a squeeze. Bring your hand across to your shoulder, you see. Move, move, move in your body. Body cross applesauce, do it with me. Make your bean bag touch your opposite knee. Bring your hand across to your knee, you see. Move, move, move in your body. Body cross applesauce, here we go. Make your bean bag touch your opposite toe. Bring your hand across to your toe, you see. Move, move, move in your body. Body cross applesauce, move into the beat. You can do it sitting down or up on your feet. Body cross applesauce, do as I say. Move, move your bean bag this way. Now let's try that again. But this time, put your bean bag in your other hand. Ready? Body cross applesauce, move into the beat. You can do it sitting down or up on your feet. Body cross applesauce, do as I say. Move, move your bean bag this way. Body cross applesauce, here we go. Make your bean bag touch your elbow. Bring your hand across to your elbow, you see. Move, move, move in your body. Body cross applesauce, if you please. Make your bean bag give your shoulder a squeeze. Bring your hand across to your shoulder, you see. Move, move, move in your body. Body cross applesauce, do it with me. Make your bean bag touch your opposite knee. Bring your hand across to your knee, you see. Move, move, move in your body. 
everybody. Buddy cross applesauce, here we go. Make your bean bag touch your opposite toe. Bring your hand across to your toe, you see. Move, move, move in your body. Body cross applesauce, moving to the beat. You can do it sitting down or up on your feet. Body cross applesauce, do as I say. Move, move your bean bag this way. And that was Body Cross Applesauce by Rachel Ramback. What did you guys think about the song? It is such a catchy and fun song. Oh, thank you. <laughs> I am such a fan. <laughs> it's one of those that gets stuck in your head, but like in a good way, yeah. because I feel like right. when you as a music therapist that works with clients, especially kids, you you don't really have the luxury of like looking at your music all the time, especially with a movement song. If it gets stuck in your mm. head, you're more likely to remember it and to remember the lyrics. And then it's a more effective tool for working with your clients. Yes, definitely. Yeah. And it's also a melody that isn't based off of another Mm -hmm. traditional melody. Uh, Yeah. So I remember when I was first starting uh, working with early childhood as a professional, my supervisor, shout out to Debbie Dacus. um, She she got onto me because one of my first sessions, I just changed the words of twinkle twinkle little star and use the same melody and she was like uh you can't do that i mean you can but you can't and i was like what are you talking about and she's like you need to use melodies that aren't familiar because then they don't have that association with whatever that melody is exactly and yeah but it still needs to be repetitive and catchy and i was like oh okay well, I guess I'll figure it out. And then I found your website and I was like, all right, these are not familiar melodies to them. So I'm going to use it. Yay. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I've done, I've definitely done my fair share of piggyback songs in my career, especially in the Mm -hmm. beginning, but that was exactly what was happening. The kids would hear that melody and they would automatically revert to the lyrics that they already knew. So basically anything new that I was bringing to them was completely just not effective at all because they weren't listening to my new lyrics. So, yeah. Right. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I'm all for writing new, new tunes. And, you know, sometimes I'll find that one tune sounds a little bit like one that I've written before. And that's just kind of like my fun little challenge is to just keep coming up with new catchy melodies that don't all sound the same because I I do know that a lot of people use a lot of my songs. So if they're mm-hmm. going from this song to that song and thinking, gosh, these really sound alike, you know, that's that's not a good thing if that's <laughs> happening a lot. So so that's definitely, you know, once you've written about 300 songs, that's definitely a challenge. Yeah. Yeah. What, what, what is your process like? Can you kind of walk us through what you would do if you're sitting down right now to write a song? Yeah. Are you thinking about a specific client or are you thinking about, t- you know, a goal? Yes. Yeah, so I'm typically thinking about a goal and that's usually my starting point. So typically I start with a goal in mind and I'll usually just open a fresh pages document and start writing out some notes as far as which objectives I want to address, any specific things that I want to cover in the song. 
And then I'll just start writing the lyrics. And typically as I'm writing the lyrics, a melody will start to manifest. And so I'll just have my guitar right there and I'll start um, jotting down some chord changes just so that I don't forget. And then really the key to my songwriting process is using my voice memos app on my phone. Mm -hmm. And I will just keep recording little snippets of it as I go so that I don't forget how the melody goes. And I really just do that until I have all of the lyrics written out, I have the melody down, and then I'll go through and I'll record a rough draft in my voice memos. And um, then typically I'll come back and do the actual recording later at some point and I'll just refer to the lead sheet that I create during the songwriting process and also that rough draft. So it's a pretty um, straightforward process. Um, There's nothing really scientific to it, it, but it's worked for me for the last 13 or 14 Mm -hmm. years. And um, yeah, so it's pretty simple. That's that's pretty much what it what it consists of. Nice. Yeah. Have you heard of the app music memo oh yes and i've played around with it a little bit i kind of forgot about it um when it first came out i i played around with it a little bit but i haven't looked at it lately yeah i haven't either Mm -hmm. but um it's pretty cool because it tries to dictate the chords as well (laughs) in addition yeah it tries tries. (laughs) it puts forth a good art (laughs) so what program do you use when you record what did you do? I use I use GarageBand. I am not fancy with my recording. In fact, um, I let's see. I'm trying to think. About three or four years into songwriting, um, at my school that I used to work at, they bought. Um, I can't even remember the name of the program now, but it's the Mac program that's um, more advanced than GarageBand. And oh yeah, um, I can't even think of the name of it honestly. Um, but I tried it. I I played around with it a little bit, but honestly, I came back to GarageBand because that to me is just like where I work best. I know how to do everything in there. It comes so naturally. And with my songs, really the recordings to me are just a supplement. I'm not making those recordings like to be performance ready. They're not professionally mixed and mastered. I'm not a professional recording artist. I really see those just as tools for the people that are using the songs. And typically people are using them live in their own classrooms or sessions or um, other settings. And so the recording is just a tool for them to learn the songs. And of course, you know, they'll play them for their students um, other times or whatever the case may be. So um I don't I don't put a ton of time and effort into my recordings. It's more the song that's the that's the tool and the and the finished product. Mm. Yeah. No, I think it's really neat and I I appreciate the the framework and you keep it them simple enough that then somebody can go in and tweak it as they need to for their specific population that they're working with and um like for instance the um the song we're talking about tonight, I really like it's just bass and some percussion and someone singing and it's so easy you could I just like could see someone putting it on and following along with it very easily um mm-hmm. or just singing it acapella as they're going through it with, with a client yeah that's um, that's kind of the goal with every song I write I think okay 
if I'm a music therapist that is looking for um, a song, like say to work on crossing the midline, like this one, what yeah. is a song that they can pick up? They can spend a few minutes learning it, and then they can implement it quickly because. As music therapists, we don't have a ton of planning time. Most of us have really busy schedules, and we don't have hours in the day to devote to learning new repertoire. So how can we find a song easily and then learn it easily and be able to implement it as quickly as possible and also to be able to adapt it? So that's kind of my goal in every song. And I've found over the years, I've actually simplified my recordings a whole lot since um, I started writing songs. I used to spend like full days doing these recordings. And that was back when I didn't have kids and I didn't have all these other <laughs> things going on that I had that luxury of time. But now I find that the simpler the recording, the more straightforward it is, the more effective ultimately it will be. So yeah, I just I try to keep it simple and try to keep the goal to be what's going to be the most effective and helpful helpful for other professionals. Perfect. I remember the other audio program. It's called Logic. Oh, that's yep. it. Yep. Logic. I Logic. Logic. I mean, Logic is it's great, but honestly, it did way more than I needed. Yeah. And oh, yeah, yeah. It's complicated and it's expensive. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. I only used it when I was in school and they had it on the computers. Yeah. Yeah. Mm, yeah. 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 Yeah, and that's also another important thing to note for any music therapists or any songwriters or producers when you're recording, you don't have to have the fanciest mm -mm. software to record a song. Um, and you can, like, it's really what you're most comfortable using. That is so true. Yeah. Oh my gosh, so true. I mean, honestly, I've got a lot of different microphones and they range from the most basic to very, very expensive. And probably the microphone that I reach for the most is my Snowball, yeah. which is – I've yes. had it forever. Yes. And yeah. it's just so clear and simple. And I also have the Yeti, which I kind of go between the two. But I, I love the Snowball. It's kind of like my old – faithful <laughs> <laughs> yeah i've got a snowball that i'm using right now yep yep yeah. me too john you're on the yeti right i'm a yeti yeah I'm a yeti guy. yeah i like my yeti too but this little guy has a special place in my heart <laughs> <laughs> yeah um so speaking of making the songs simple so that they can be adaptable a lot of what we do on this podcast is talking about adapting songs for different populations. Yeah. Yeah. So I just want to open the floor. Do you guys have any ideas of, well, first off, Rachel, I feel like this song is typically, it seems like something you would use in early childhood. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. So actually I wrote this song for, um, the students at um, the school that I mentioned before. So mm -hmm. I don't actually serve that school anymore, but it is a contract on our caseload. So one of my employees serves that contract, and so she works there. But um, that is the population for which I wrote the song. They're kids ranging in age from 6 to 21, and they um, – have multiple diagnoses. Um, the majority of them are diagnosed with autism spectrum disorder, but then there are um, multiple other 
um, diagnoses there as well. And um, so I wrote this song for one of the younger classes there, but I also use it in early childhood and in my preschool classes. Um, And that's another thing that I try to do with my songs is to keep it appropriate and also, um, also appealing to many different age and developmental ranges because even though there's such a wide age difference between a three-year-old and a 10-year-old, I've had students that are both of those ages but with the same developmental needs mm-hmm. and with the sa- that are working on the same goals. So rather than write two separate songs, how can I write one song that I can use in both of those settings? Neither of those kids or their caregivers feel like it's an inappropriate song right. to use with that client. And um, so that's really kind of the hallmark, I think, of my collection of songs is that it can be adapted into many different settings and environments. Um, But with a song like Body Cross Applesauce, you can make it as basic as you want it to be or you can make it a lot more complicated. So um, it, it mentions lots of different body parts. So you can do very basic body parts like one hand to the other or elbow or knee, or you can make it more complicated by um, specifying your right elbow or your left shoulder. So <laughs> as <laughs> as your as the um, the de- developmental level changes of your client, you can you can adapt the song accordingly. So um, and that's one of the things I really like to hear from people that use my songs is how they've adapted it and which settings they've used it in. I think it's so interesting. Um, to see how it's used in ways that I would have never even thought of to apply that song. Right. Yeah. When I was listening to it, I was thinking about, I started recently working at a local psych hospital and one Mm -hmm. of the units is a pediatric unit and it's a lot of kids for an hour. So in order to keep them focused or, or as mostly focused as they can be uh, in between activities mm-hmm. I have to do a lot of Simon Says-esque transitions so yeah. if we're about to sit on the floor I have them you know touch their shoulders touch their knees <laughs> like touch their toes and then um, touch the floor and then now let your bottom sit on the floor so I c- I feel like this would fit right into that um, oh yeah for so, sure it's so physical and it could yeah. be because usually i'm doing some sort of chance but if i added melody to yeah. it this would be a good um, musical cue yes definitely yeah 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 that's what i was thinking yeah absolutely i love that and actually so the song um mm-hmm. includes bean bags in the recording. But when I originally started using the song, um, because a lot of times I'll write a song and I won't mm-hmm. um, record it right away because I want to kind of put it to use and see how effective it is and if I need to make any changes before I record a final version. Um, I did not include bean bags at all. I actually, um, that last line of each chorus was just move, mm-hmm. move your body this way. So I would just have them use their hands um, to reach across the midline. But what I found with early childhood is that having that um, that thing to hold on to, that yeah. tactile input of the beanbag, that helped keep yeah. them really focused. And just even having 
um, that perspective of, okay, now we're going to take the beanbag and touch your elbow, that took it to the next level for them. Whereas with a group of older kids, um, they don't necessarily need that. And also beanbags could be really distracting or could be um, just not appropriate in other settings. Right. Well, and I work with seniors. Um, I work in a retirement community and I do a lot of movement to music. And it is amazing the difference um, to a song when I hand out egg shakers, as Mm -hmm. we call them weights. Um, Oh, yeah. But when we do a song with egg shakers, there is a whole other level of engagement. Um, And I let them pick out their colors and whatever. Like, they get really excited about it, too. Um, There are a lot of similarities about working with children and working with older adults. Yes, Um, that's a great point. Mm -hmm. Um. And we were talking about like the appropriateness of the song. And my first thought was like, this is kind of uh, more for a child song. Um, But I don't know that there'd be that much adapting that I would need to do for for my residents to really respond well to this song. You know, Um, I think they would really enjoy it. I, I, I found that to be true with a lot of these listen and learn songs. Obviously, I did write most of them for children, but I have gone in and worked in some older adult facilities and in some older adult groups as well. And a lot of these songs have translated pretty seamlessly. In fact, one of my employees came to me with the idea to put together um, a collection of listen and learn songs for older adults. So I actually just put that out a few weeks ago. Um, I rounded up, I think it's um, like 42 songs from the Listen and Learn collection that we completed or we created all new facilitation guides specifically geared for older adults. And um, so that was really fun to kind of choose, okay, these songs are a really good fit for this completely different environment, but yet there are so many um, similarities. And um, so that's been really fun. But it's it's true that a lot of these songs um, my employees will take into their older adult settings and, and they go over really well. Mm. Yeah. I was thinking I don't work with older adults. Well, actually now I do. Yes, I do. Um, um, I was also thinking if there were certain, like if they didn't like body cross applesauce like just that yeah. line we could change it to something else that rhymes across. Right. oh yeah absolutely or, and that's what i was saying yeah. i don't think it would take much um altering to make it um you know age appropriate well and that's the thing i think people are sometimes hesitant um like especially people that are um members of my um membership program where they get all of the songs um, for a monthly price and they'll say, are you okay with me changing the words of me doing this and that to the song? Like I want to preserve it in its original form. And that's so not the case because I know that even for me from one client to another or from one group to the next, I'm making my own adaptations of the same song over and over again. And Mm -hmm. I know that others need to do the same to adapt them to their clients. My movement and music program was kind of birthed out of um, a physical therapist who was discharging like four of my residents. Um, And he said, you know, they really need to keep doing these exercises to stay out of rehab, Mm -hmm. um, to keep up their strength and, you know, on a daily basis. And I was like, we can do that. And so it started out as like choreography to some of their favorite songs. Um, But I would love to be able to 
throw in, you know, some of Rachel's songs. I'm really Aww. excited to go check out that playlist you were just talking about. Yeah. The, the resource. Nice. Yeah. And we can put that in the show notes <clears throat> for sure. Cool. For sure. Yes. Yeah. Um, well, one thing that I personally wanted to ask, um, well, actually, uh, so Allison and I are both songwriters outside of music therapy. Awesome. Um, John, you're kind of beginning to come become one, or you're you're starting. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. and and I will say thank you for um, sharing what you did a few minutes ago, Rachel, about um, that your song doesn't need to be perfect to be recorded. It's about the song because yeah. that's where I get hung up a lot of times. I'll have an idea or um, you know some music, and then I want to record it, and then I get so caught up in the perfection of that recording that I lose the song. So, yeah. yep, I hear you. Thank you for that encouragement. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. It's so true. So true. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I just wanted to ask what some uh, or who were some of your influences as a songwriter? Yeah. So very early on when I first started writing songs and creating resources for my music therapy clients, I came across Wade Richards. I don't know if you're familiar with Wade, but he's a music therapist in Rochester, New York, mm, okay. and he actually is a co-owner of Spectrum Music Therapy. Oh, yeah. Or Spectrum yeah. Arts. Okay. I can't remember the exact yeah, title, yeah. but um, he has been um, around in the music therapy community for a long time. And he had a website. This was back in 2007, 2008. He had a website called Time for Music and was selling his songs and his songbooks. And I just thought that that was so cool because that's what I wanted to do. And I saw that somebody else was doing something similar. And so I reached out to him and um, he was so gracious and he gave me lots of tips. And um, so I've followed his career for the last many years. And so he was one of those early music therapists who just really inspired me and kind of gave me that permission slip to go for it and to just do what I wanted to do. And um, then I discovered Lori Berkner um, mm -hmm. also oh, early yes. on. <laughs> and of course, everybody knows her and her music, but I love it. And um, that for me was exciting to – to see what she did, not only with her recordings, but also going out into um, communities and giving performances and working with kids in classrooms. And that's a big part of what I do now. Um, I don't work a whole lot clinically anymore. A lot of my work with my private practice is the, the management side of it and the business owner side of it. Um, I also head up our, our classes and I do our early childhood classes and that's kind of my little baby there. But um, as far as working directly, it mostly comes in the form of going to schools, um, being involved in community events and performances. And so I can kind of put on like my Lori Berkner hat and go out and um, bring music to kids and f to families and um, to really show them what the benefits of music can be and that it can be educational, but that it can also be fun and um, really enjoyable for the adults as well. So that's kind of my sweet spot of making music um, directly mm -hmm. with people right now. Nice. That's awesome. Um, Rachel, thank you so much for joining us today. Um, you are an inspiration and I'm, um, 
really glad to have you on the show um, and kind of get to highlight you. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a pleasure talking to you all. I love your podcast and keep doing what you're doing. So Rachel, how can people find you? Yeah, people can find me via my website, listenlearnmusic.com. You can also find me on Instagram. I'm at Rachel Ramback or at listenlearnmusic. All right. Well, thank you very much. Um, and with that, we'll wrap up the episode and listen to Body Cross Applesauce. Cross applesauce, moving to the beat. You can do it sitting down or up on your feet. Body cross applesauce, do as I say. Move, move your bean bag this way. Body cross applesauce, here we go. Make your bean bag touch your elbow. Bring your hand across to your elbow, you see. Move, move, move in your body. Body cross applesauce, if you please. Make your bean bag, give your shoulder a squeeze. Bring your hand across to your shoulder, you see. Move, move, move in your body. Body cross applesauce, do it with me. Make your bean bag touch your opposite knee. Bring your hand across to your knee, you see. Move, move, move in your body. Body cross applesauce, here we go. Make your bean bag touch your opposite toe. Bring your hand across to your toe, you see. Move, move, move in your body. Body cross applesauce, moving to the beat. You can do it sitting down or up on your feet. Body cross applesauce, do as I say. Move, move your bean bag this way. Now let's try that again. But this time, put your bean bag in your other hand. Ready? Body cross applesauce, moving to the beat. You can do it sitting down or up on your feet. Body cross applesauce, do as I say. Move, move your bean bag this way. Body cross applesauce, here we go. Make your bean bag touch your elbow. Bring your hand across to your elbow, you see. Move, move, move in your body. Body cross applesauce, if you please. Make your bean bag, give your shoulder a squeeze. Bring your hand across to your shoulder, you see. Move, move, move in your body. Body cross applesauce, do it with me. Make your bean bag touch your opposite knee. Bring your hand across to your knee, you see. Move, move, move in your body. Body cross applesauce, here we go. Make your bean bag touch your opposite toe. Bring your hand across to your toe, you see. Move, move, move in your body. Body cross applesauce, moving to the beat. You can do it sitting down or up on your feet. Body cross applesauce, do as I say. 